Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning at River Park Church. A special welcome to our guests and our visitors who are with us on Zoom and here in person. We've got a couple announcements as we begin this morning. The first, uh, just reminding you that uh, for those of us that are more comfortable, we have our physical distancing comfort zone over there. And so uh, if, you'd, if you'd rather uh, remain distanced and wear a mask, you have a place where you can do that and uh, just a little more space. Uh, also this morning, just a reminder uh, that next week, we are going to try to serve coffee after the service. And uh, if, if that's going to continue into the fall, then we're going to need uh, volunteers who are interested in serving and preparing the coffee. And so if you want to have coffee after the service and be able to have some of that with a time of fellowship, I just in, invite you to sign up to be a server and to, be, and to help prepare. So you can contact Donna Spronk uh, in the church office to sign up for that. Next Sunday, uh, Henry Wildeboer is preaching for us. Henry was a pastor here at River Park in the 70s and early 80s uh, and has since retired, and so he'll be in town visiting and uh, preaching for us next Sunday while I will be leading the service. And finally, as we begin, just a note about offerings. Uh, we, I want to celebrate that we are a giving church, and so I want to thank those of you who have been giving regularly, either in person or online uh, through e-transfer. And uh, this morning, just remind you that you can come forward during the service. Uh, Henrik will tell you when. And you'll have the opportunity to give both to the general fund and to our special offering, which this morning is for Resonate Global Missions. Let's, uh, let's stand and prepare to sing and join God in worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. today so you can help me out with the clapping let the songs of the lord yeah rise among us let the songs of the lord rise among us let the joy of the king rise among us let it rise Let it rise. All together now. 
But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised by the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. 
Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Praise, Praise be, be to, to God. God. During this next song, anytime during this song, we encourage you to come bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord in gratitude. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. All right, sing together. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Lift your voice. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws dear and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like that. your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. 
people said. Amen. Amen. May be seated. As you take your seats, I invite you to join me in our morning prayer. We're going to be praying specifically for uh, members of our congregation. And on that note, it's always bad to make announcements during prayer. And so uh, just before we pray, I want to share that uh, Willie, Hank and Willie were on vacation in BC this week and she fell and broke her arm and her wrist. And so we're going to be praying for her. She's in the hospital uh, hoping to be home. Actually, they could have been home yesterday already, but possibly today. Um, so we're going to be praying for those two. Um, and then we want to praise uh, with Ruth and with Gerald and Jenny that uh, Gerald and Jenny's son, Silas, had a significant surgery this past week and it went really well. So praising God with them and uh, continuing to pray for others in our church as well. So please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, we, uh, we come to you this morning in the midst of uh, the summer. And we just, first of all, look outside and see that uh, our world is burning, or at least our country. God, we pray for uh, those who are so many affected by forest fires, so more significantly than we are. God, the smoke uh, chokes us at times. It obscures the sun. It's difficult for us, but we think of the many hundreds of people uh, over the summer who have had to evacuate their homes in BC uh, and around North America. God, we pray for you to heal our earth. Do your good work in creating, in, in, as creator and sustainer of our world. And give us the wisdom and the humility to care for your creation in a way that is better than we have in the past. God, Help us to repent from the many ways in which we selfishly use your earth for our own selfish desires and ends and for our own purposes, rather than caring for it, preserving it, and sharing it with others as you intend. Closer to home, Lord, we pray for those in Calgary who are uh, just who have needs that uh, we know about, who are outside of our community. God, as you send us on mission and as you go with us, each of us as individuals and, and us as a community have connections with people in this city who do not know you as Lord and Savior and who yet we know and we love. God, we share this morning those, those people and their needs who are on our hearts, physical needs, emotional and psychological needs, spiritual needs, relational needs. God, as we go into your world each week, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our jobs, and uh, even into our schools as teachers over the summer, God, you give us uh, the assurance that your spirit goes with us. And so may we go this coming week. And as we, as we go, may people see Jesus in us because, Lord, you go with us. God, as River Park Church, we pray for those in our community who have special and significant needs. We, we know, Lord, that we don't know everyone's story here. We can't possibly know each, and each one another uh, individually, but Lord, you know us. And so here are the quiet things that are on our hearts that few know, that no one else knows. The pains, the worries, the fear, the sadness, the grief. God, meet us in our pain and help us to find comfort in you. God, we celebrate this morning with those in our congregation who are celebrating. 
We rejoice with rest, with refreshment, with vacation, with the joy of travel once again after a year of being so limited. But God, we continue to look with concern and care and ask for your wisdom as we look to the future. Help us to be wise in how we interact with one another as we uh, try to protect against the fourth wave of a pandemic. God, we're just so tired of hearing those words. Help us to do what is wise and what is best. And again, not just what is in our own interest or in our own mind. And God, we pray for those in our congregation who are on that weekly email. God, so many of them that we won't name them all this morning. But so many in our church who have ongoing health concerns. Father, you know them and be with them. This morning especially, Lord, we want to pray for Willie who broke her arm and wrist in a fall this past week. We thank you that she was able to be helped and uh, in so many ways healed. And we just thank you for the work of doctors and nurses in, uh, in helping to heal her body. Lord, give her and Hank what they need. And it was especially Willie as she continues to recover from a previous surgery as well. And God, we praise you with, the, with, the, uh, with Silas, with Gerald and Jenny, and with Ruth. God, just praise you for Silas's uh, successful surgery and we ask for continued recovery for him and for joy for his family as they celebrate his, uh, his life and his successful surgery. God, continue to give us all and each what we need, especially as we open up your word this morning. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying to us so that your word is not just a collection of stories and instructions written many years ago, but that it is for us the very living and active word of God spoken to our hearts moving in our lives and transforming us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because it's August, and many of you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a reason to know this, but uh, I was always a child who in August got excited because September was coming and school was coming. How sick is that, right? There's always one. It was me. I'm excited because it's August and looking forward to the fall when we are going to have an opportunity as a church to look at our, uh, at our vision statement together. We've had a vision statement, a new vision statement for almost a year, and our vision support team has been doing some work preparing uh, to share that vision with us and to share how we can step into that vision together and better as a church community and as people of different cultures and backgrounds. And so I'm excited for what's coming in the fall, in the school year. Uh, but I'm also excited because we have four weeks between now and then. Actually five, but we're going to have uh, Pastor Henry Wildeboer preaching for us next Sunday. But I've got four weeks to preach between now and uh, when September comes. And so I get to preach on the book of Jonah. And Jonah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's a great story in the Old Testament. If you grew up in the church, then likely you've heard the story of Jonah, or at least you've heard the first half of the story many times, and so you're familiar with uh, the, the sort of rhythm of it, and you know about the fish. It's a wonderful story, but also I think God has uh, much to teach, not just children and young people, but also those of us as older adults, older children of God. Jonah has much to teach us as well. So, that's enough of an introduction. Let's uh, get going. I invite you to, you can follow along on the screen or you can crack open your Bibles and uh, we'll read together or I'll invite you to listen as I read for us. Jonah chapter one. 
The word of the Lord came to, the, came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, again, had gotten gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to Jonah and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we don't perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. And so they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? What, from what people are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher in the meantime, and so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, he said, and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and throw, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So far, the reading of God's word. That's the story we know, right? If you grew up in the church and you heard the story of Jonah, then the only thing you might think from that from Sunday school, the only thing in that story that's missing is the fish vomiting Jonah up on the dry ground and then the story's over. Well, in fact, there's a little more to the story than that, as we'll see. That's a solid outline of perhaps the first half of the story, uh, but our Sunday school at best usually tells the first half and not the second half. In the first half, as we just read, Jonah is given a command God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh, and Jonah fails to obey it. But in the second half, Jonah is given the same command, and he does what he's told. He actually does go to Nineveh. So if Jonah is not just sort of a, a narrative break from the Old Testament, if it's not just sort of an intermission, a nice story for kids, then what is Jonah really about? Well, it seems to be about a lot of things. 
In some ways, Jonah is a book and a story about race and about national identity. Jonah is an Israelite and God sends him to Nineveh, to the country of Assyria. And we know from our previous series that it was the Assyrians who later, after Jonah's time, dragged the Israelites into exile. But even at Jonah's time, the Assyrians had a, had a very, had a huge reputation for being aggressive, war, warring people, for being merciless with their enemies and merciless with Israel. And God's going to send Jonah there? It's a story about race and national identity, but also a story about idols and injustice. Even in the part of the story that we read this morning, the sailors know that Jonah's running from his God, but each of them prays to their own God. They live in a world where there are all kinds of gods and each god has responsibility for, uh, one have, might have responsibility for the, for the fish of the sea, another one for the water and storms, another one for land animals, and another one for the rain and the crops. It's a story about idols and the injustice, not just, of, uh, not just the injustice of the Assyrians, but also the injustice that lives even in Jonah's own heart his failure to understand God's mercy. And it's a story about being on mission to cities. Jonah, God sends Jonah to Nineveh, to one of the biggest cities in the ancient world. But Jonah's point, the main point of the book of Jonah is not, first of all, sociological. The point of Jonah is not, in other words, first about how do we interact as people. It's first theological. Who is God who is God to Jonah, and who is God to us? Tim Keller has a book called The Prodigal Prophet. That's where I stole this week's sermon title from. It's about Jonah. And Tim Keller says this. He says, Jonah wants a God of his own making. Jonah wants a God who smites bad people, for instance, the wicked Ninevites, and who blesses good people, for instance, Jonah and his countrymen. I just want to pause there for a moment and Ask if you can see yourself in that. Many of us, I think, want a God who is nice to me and my friends and mean to my enemies. Who judges bad people and has mercy on good people. It takes wisdom, and frankly, it takes the wisdom of the Lord for us to see that it's not so easy as that. And Jonah can't seem to reconcile God's justice and his mercy. How can God forgive the wickedness of the Ninevites? How can God not do a better job of rewarding Jonah or rewarding the Israelites for the good things and for the obedience that they did? Tim Keller pulls that title of his book, which I just uh, referenced, from the parable of the prodigal son. Another story that probably we all heard growing up in Sunday school, if that was your experience, and probably many of you are familiar with from different sermons. Many people have noticed the parallels between the story of Jonah in the Old Testament and Jesus' parable of the prodigal son in the New Testament. In Jonah chapter 1 and 2, we in many ways have a picture of the younger son. His father tells him to do something, and what does he do? He runs away. It is exactly the opposite of what he's supposed to do. He, he runs and he's confident in himself. He thinks he has a better plan. 
On the other hand, Jonah 3 and 4, which we'll get to, tell the story of the older son. Someone who unhappily obeys his father, who's angry at his father's mercy and forgiveness. Both Jesus' parable of the prodigal son and the book of Jonah end with a question. A question that invites further reflection from us as listeners and readers. But I'm getting ahead of myself. As I said, I'm excited for all that's to come. That's fun, I think, and meaningful and wonderful for us to be able to see how the Old Testament connects to the New and even how that's the stories of the Old Testament can help us to see how God is still working in our world today. So this is how our story starts today. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And in a word, Jonah does exactly the opposite. Jonah calls, or God calls Jonah to go east. Jonah goes west. He goes in the opposite direction. God calls Jonah to go to a land through the desert. Jonah jumps on a boat, goes down to the harbor. He chooses a different method than God. God calls Jonah to go to a great city. And Jonah goes to Tarshish. And historians tell us that Tarshish was just about the ends of the earth. It was the wilds at the end of the earth right before you fall off. That's what people thought. Not the falling off part, but Jonah chooses a different goal. How does this, how does this happen? How does a prophet whose job it is to listen to God and, and to say what God says to God's people, how does he end up going a different direction, using a different method, and heading toward a different goal than what God had called him to? Is it just that Jonah is an especially bad guy or maybe an especially great fool. I love the words that are often attributed to the American poet Walt Whitman. He said, be curious, not judgmental. So we could assume, we could judge, right? We could say, well, Jonah must have been the world's biggest fool to do exactly the opposite of what God called him to do. But perhaps not. Maybe we can look at our story and look at Jonah and wonder why he did what he did. As I mentioned already, we know from history that Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians, as I said, had already proven themselves to be a massive military and cultural center. To use an analogy, the Assyrians uh, needed Jonah's advice in the same way that Americans feel they need the religious or cultural advice from Iran. It just wouldn't figure. Jonah had a, had a theological problem with preaching the message of hope and forgiveness and mercy to Israel's enemies. But he also had a practical problem, which was that the Assyrians wouldn't want to hear, he assumed, they wouldn't want to hear what it is he had to say. And not only did they not want to hear it, the likelihood was not only that they would ignore it, but also that there could be some harm done to Jonah. Maybe he would even be killed. Again, Tim Keller says it this way. He says, Jonah concluded that because he couldn't see any good reason for God's command, that there couldn't be any. And it wasn't that only that Jonah had these theological and practical problems. Jonah had a problem with, with God himself. 
Jonah doubted the goodness, the wisdom, and the justice of God. So again, I want to invite you to wonder this morning, not to judge, not Jonah, obviously, but also not yourself, to wonder about you. See, whenever I, whenever I say something like, Jonah doubted the goodness and the wisdom and the justice of God, and what about you? I worry that some of us are going to sort of clam up with, with guilt or with worry. That we might feel like the, like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son and begin to sort of resent the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That we might grudgingly do what God is calling us to do but not really have our hearts changed. So I want to invite you again this morning to be curious. Curious about what's going on in your own heart. Curious about what's going on at River Park Church. Not judgmental. Where do you see evidence in your own life that you doubt the goodness, the wisdom, and the justice of God? I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you hold tightly to your money. Maybe you think that God's call for his people to be generous is, is kind of rude or it's first for other people because God's given me so little and other people so much more, at least by comparison. Maybe the opportunity that you have in front of you to do something good or godly or even great, it seems to you to be reckless. It can't possibly succeed. God couldn't possibly be calling you to do that. That's way too big or crazy. You could never do it on your own. Or maybe, and this is often where I get caught, maybe it seems to you that unfair that God is calling you to wait, to be present, and to remain in the midst of a difficult situation for a lot longer than you'd like. COVID has been that for many of us. And Kaylee and my life, we're in that situation right now. We're in the process of waiting for Kaylee's permanent resident card and her work permit to come through. And the government hasn't even begun to work on her application. They haven't even begun to process it. It's just sitting in a pile in a desk in Burlington somewhere. Right? And you ask yourself, I ask myself, God can't possibly be at work in that. If you're a Christian... And if you're honest with yourself, I think we have to admit that sometimes, or maybe even many times, we doubt the goodness and the wisdom and the justice of God. And then what? Right? Then what? What do we do when we doubt God's goodness and his wisdom and his justice? Do we persist in obedience anyway? Or do we follow Jonah's example? Do we try a different method? Maybe go a different, slightly different direction and try and find a way around? Or do we end up heading toward a very different goal? Maybe it's no surprise to us that when we try to do God's mission without God, we end up in a very different direction and, 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 a, and a different, using a different method and heading toward a different goal than God would have us. And maybe when we do a little bit of self-reflection, we realize when we step back that it's not so crazy that we might end up in the same situation as Jonah. 
that in fact the storm that God brings Jonah that dumps him out, that eventually dumps him out of the boat and into a, a, the belly of a great fish, that that storm isn't just God's sort of temperamental retribution. It isn't just God saying, wow, you, did, you disobeyed me, so I'm going to make life difficult for you. This is part of God's mercy. Part of God, through the, through the pain and the lostness and the, and the confusion of Jonah, turning him around and bringing him back to where he's supposed to be. Not back to Israel, but back to where God had called him to be, headed in the opposite direction. That invitation to turn is a common theme all throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, right? But the Lord has laid on Christ all of our iniquities. And so Jesus comes in the New Testament. He comes preaching that he says, repent and believe. The, the kingdom is here. And that word repent is a word of turning. Turn around. Head back toward Jesus. All throughout Scripture. I'm just giving two examples, but there's many. God invites his people into intimate relationship with him. To turn away from our own way and our own path and our idea of what is best. And to listen to what God is calling us to do. To hear God's voice speaking to us, not only through his word, but also through his spirit. And not only to hear and be hearers of the word, as James says, but also to be doers. Oswald Chambers talks about this in one of his devotions, about this moment of turning. He's also he's, he's referring to that passage in James, not only that it were not only hearers and doers, but also about passage of patience in James 1 verse 4. He says, God will bring us back in countless ways to the same point over and over again. And he never tires of bringing us back to that one point until we learn the lesson. Because his purpose is to produce a finished product. And maybe instead of looking down on Jonah for being such a crazy fool, right, and going on his own direction when God had called him to go the opposite way, we might learn to be amazed at Jonah. It only took him one time to get it right. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we lived our lives that way? I can think of so many times in my life where I look back and say, I would have been so much wiser if I only made this mistake once. But, we, but we, have, we are people of patterns. And so often we return to the same pattern again and again and again. And God in his mercy turns us around and brings us back to himself again and again and again. So I invite you not only to have that curious attitude as you look at your own heart, but also a curious spirit as we think about what's coming in the fall and as, you, as I invite you to anticipate with me where God is calling us as River Park Church to go and who he's calling us to be in a new season and a new school year. I invite you to do that in a curious way, not a judgmental way. Many of you know the glory days of River Park just as Jonah knew the glory days of Israel. 
Many of you have wept and seen the pain and decline of the past years. And then, if that were not enough, we've gone through the past year and a half, almost, well, it feels like almost two years of COVID now. And we just want it to be over, right? We just, we just want this thing to be on the tracks and working and fine. And we've made some difficult decisions because of the realities as well. We've shrunk our budget. We called a new minister, and I'm very thankful for that. We've made cuts to staffing. We've tried to stay afloat during the pandemic. Through all the closures, through all the limits on large group gatherings and small group gatherings, what we can do in our homes and what we can't do as a community together in person. Maybe it feels like you've rode through the storm of the past years only to be thrown overboard with Jonah. That's the worst place to be, or it feels like it's the worst place to be, doesn't it? Flailing around in the sea in the midst of a storm is not a fun place to be. Deprived of our natural environment, right? We like to stand on the ground with two solid feet. Deprived of our natural environment, we float very much the same way that bricks do, which is to say we sink. To be tossed around in the ocean like Jonah or tossed into the storm and into the ocean is an experience of powerlessness, of impotence. To be unable to change our world in the way that we would like, in the way that we think is best. In the midst of our situation as a congregation where God has placed us, there is at least two ways in which we can make the mistake that Jonah makes of distrusting our Father. We can give up, as Jonah does in the first, uh, in the first half of the book. We can run from God. We can withdraw and just walk away from the church and say, God's calling us to go this way. Well, I'm going to go the opposite and do my own thing. Or, we can stubbornly chart a path forward. We can rely on what we've done in the past, what we're comfortable with, what seems best and, mo- and easiest and most straightforward to me or to us. But neither of these ways forward flows out of trust in God. Both of them, in fact, assume, as is so often for us to do, they both assume that God will do nothing. That God won't help us. He won't lead us. He won't save us. It all depends on us. On what I do as the pastor or what we do as a congregation. What Pastor Harrison does or what our staff do. We have to understand as a church that, or we have to see ourselves for, or see our own powerlessness for what it is. It's not that we're completely powerless. But we're not powerless to do what God has called us to do without God. We're not powerless to make our church grow or to turn things around apart from God's leading. And when we make the mistake of thinking, well, if only we go here or if only we implement X or do Y, then for sure we'll be successful. Then we're making the same mistake as Jonah, thinking we can do the work of God apart from God. Jonah doesn't trust the goodness or the wisdom or the justice of God. He tries to do God's work without him. 
apart from him. Churches that grow, Christians who grow, we don't do life that way. Churches that grow and Christians that grow are not the churches that have the best plan. They're not the churches that have the smartest people. If that were true, the Christian Reformed Church would be way bigger than it is. Because we have year after year of new plans and we have so many smart people in our denomination. The churches who grow and the Christians who grow do what God tells us to do, how God tells us to, and when God calls us to. With Jonah. Sorry. With Jonah, we head in the direction that God calls us with the methods that he prescribes for us toward the goal that God sets for us. And we do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. I'm contending, putting forward in this sermon series, and you saw it on the first slide, that God still works in tough places. Our temptation to read the story of Jonah as a children's story is, I think, at least in part, a sort of failure to believe that God still really works in that way. The story of Jonah feels more to us, uh, especially as adults, it feels more to us like it fits with the world of the Avengers and Star Wars and Toy Story than it fits in my life or your life. But if you're anything like me, I can just about guarantee that you're slogging through something difficult right now. And maybe you have been for a while. So much of life is a series of different challenges. Because, as I said earlier, we refuse to learn those lessons or we don't learn those lessons that God has for us. And even when we do, we continue to live in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be. A world of wildfires and death, to name just a few. So are we doing things, good things, even godly things, apart from God's goodness, his wisdom, his justice, and his strength? Whenever we are, I can promise that like Jonah, we will fail. Like the sailors will be desperately trying to row to shore in the midst of a storm with gale force winds. But God hasn't left us alone. He has given us a better way. And the way is very simple. It's the way of shalom, of doing good with God. What if River Park was more, even the more the community even than it is now? When we said with Scripture that we can do all things with God, only with Christ, who gives us strength. Because we live in him, in him we live and move and have our being. Apart from him, we can do nothing but with him. We can do everything. What if we covenant to live together in such a way that we don't do anything except by God's strength? That we listen together for his leading. And that we joyfully and eagerly follow where he's going. I'm not just saying this as, as a sort of potential what if, as wouldn't that be nice in an in a aspirational kind of way. I'm saying that because in part, this is what 
how, how our council has desired to, to lead us as a church. It's what the vision support team has been preparing us to do for the past six months. Asking those questions. What direction has God set us? He's given us this vision to reach out, to draw in and to create community. To reach out to our diverse neighbors, to, to draw them in and to create community. That's, that's mosaic. That's multicultural, that welcomes not just people from different backgrounds, but welcomes the whole person, all the culture and values and ways of worshiping God that each of us and all of us have. It's what we've been working on, what the vision support team has been working on and partnering with ministries, hoping to partner with ministries, hoping to communicate, intending to communicate with you as a congregation what we are doing and where we are going. And how each of us and how all of us as, uh, as a community and as different ministries can be a part of it. What that looks like for worship. What that looks like for youth ministry. What that looks like in all of our different areas. As I said, I'm so excited to share with you what's coming. But like Jonah, we don't get to see it all immediately. It takes time for us to join God in what he's doing to have our hearts open to hear what God is saying to us. And so here's your invitation. Not everything all at once, but the invitation to join us as a church in the coming months to see how God is still at work in difficult places. Will you join me? Will we covenant together to trust God's mercy, to trust his goodness, his wisdom, and his justice above our own? To do God's work, but only with God, not in our own strength? Will you join me? Will you join us as a church? Next week, well, not next week, uh, Henry's preaching, but two weeks from now, the next chapter of Jonah, chapter 2, we're going to see how doing God's work with God begins with prayer, with interacting with him, crying out to him, but also listening to him. And so we're going to Pause this for the moment and we're just going to come to God in prayer. So please pray with me as we close the message this morning. Father God, like Jonah, stuck in the sea, it seems like we live in a world that's all bad news all the time. Like there's, it's more of a challenge it seems to grow up and to be wise in our world today than it ever has been. But Father, we celebrate that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We celebrate that just as you were with Jonah, just as you met him in a difficult place, so also you can meet us in the struggles of our own hearts, our own families in the ongoing challenges and opportunities of us as River Park Church, as a community. God, we celebrate that you continue to lead and guide. We look with eagerness and excitement and hope for you to lead us this fall. And we ask, Lord, that you will give us humility, that you will give us the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Because we profess, Lord, that you are holy, that we cannot do this on our own. That the task you have given us as individuals and as a community is far too great 
that we can accomplish on our own. God, give us humility to see that. But give us joy also to know that you have not called us to do your work on our own. You have given us your spirit. And you are a good God who loves to give us all we ask and even more. So Father, hear our prayer this morning and meet us in worship as we continue to worship in song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise with us.
God's holiness in Scripture is his perfect goodness and love. And he shares that with us in a blessing as we go. So receive God's parting blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. And all God's people say, Amen. As we go, put our, we put our hands together. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong
Thank you. Thank you very much.